Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things deer hunting. We had the opportunity to sit down with Courtney Oliver of our Cedar Falls store recently, and she's been an awfully busy gal. Courtney co-hosted a recent virtual hunt series segment with Christy Lee Cook and Kirsty Pike, where they talked about women in the outdoor industry, how to introduce and get people excited about hunting, and answered some great questions from the audience. If you missed the live version, check back here on the Shields Outdoors podcast as we will be airing that segment soon. She also just tagged out in Iowa for the season on a great buck. If you'd like to hear the story and see some photos of her 2020 Iowa buck, head to the Shields Outdoors Facebook or Instagram pages. Without further ado, here's our segment with Courtney. All right. Today, we are going to be talking deer and deer hunting strategies. I am super excited about this because this is one of my true passions, and it's something that a lot of people are getting started with. Today, we have Courtney Oliver with us from the Cedar Falls store. Courtney, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Courtney? Yeah, so I'm Courtney Oliver. Um, growing up in Iowa, working in the Cedar Falls Shields small town Iowa, everybody hunts. Um, I know a lot of people say you're kind of born with the passion, but like, that's literally what it was. Um, my grandpa, we'd sit at the table Sunday mornings and hear moose stories. I'd wait for my dad and uncle to get home with deer and birds and help clean it. So it literally was, I was born into the hunting life. So it just kept going. (laughs) That's awesome. So do you still hunt with your family all the time? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's what I look forward to every year. It's kind of that what we like to do, what we do all year round, getting ready for this. And my dad and uncle are a big part of where I am today. And they, they're they still hunting, even though I get them on them all the time that they're getting too old to hunt. They're still out there. Oh, you're never too old to hunt. Do you have sort of a traditional deer camp or how does that work? No, I mean, we're pretty close to the ground that we hunt. So, um, I'm lucky I get to drive there, you know, even before work, if I work at one or two at night, I can get up and go hunting in the morning. If I kill a deer, got it quick and run to work. So we're pretty close, but, um, we always have that, you know, weekends, Hey, who's going out when you go in, but it's a lot of fun. Have you had one of those instances where you have to call a work buddy and be like, Hey, can you cover, (laughs) cover for me? I just shot a deer. Oh yeah. Or call someone that's not working. It's their day off. And I'm like, Hey, uh, can you come get this out? Cause I have to get to work. So yes, oh, definitely. That's awesome. It's, it's also really cool that you get to kind of live your passion through work too. Um, so, so what's the most rewarding part of, uh, of working for Shields in the, in the hunting department? Yeah. So that's a big thing. I always tell people it's not, to me, it's not a job. Like one, I love to talk. I get to talk all day, every day. Um, and then I get to talk hunting. So, you know, people helping people that have never done it, um, when it just comes natural to you, it's awesome that you get to get them into that gear, get a bow that fits them, talk to the kids, to the women, especially the little girls, you know, you can do this. It's not something, it's not just a guy world. So that's awesome that you, I get paid to talk all day long about what I love to do. So 
it's great. It's not a job. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes it easy to do. Yeah, you touched on a lot of uh, a lot of people just starting getting into it. Um, what is what is some of your advice you have for beginner hunters or people that are you know interested in it uh, but but haven't really taken the plunge and gotten into it yet? Um, I think just slow down. So many people like they watch TV, they watch you know juries and all these guys, and they're killing two hundred inch deer every year you know, slow down. Um, I heard, and I think the best thing I've ever been told by one of my best friends in the industry still is it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. It's not a race. You know, if you don't kill a deer every year, that's fine. Enjoy being out there. Enjoy the people you're with, you know, just the land, you know, just enjoy being in a tree and learning those things. Um, it's not about killing that giant deer every year, get a doe tag, just, know where you're at and enjoy doing it. And I think that's the best thing, especially for kids and newbies. Um, you know, everybody thinks they need to get out and get right to, man, I'm not killing a deer. And they're getting super upset. And that's not what it's all about at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People kind of have a little bit of a false sense of perception on social media because everyone's posting these giant bucks, but I don't know about you, but the first deer that I shot was just a little tiny spike and it was, yeah. uh, you know, I'll just remember every certain part of this hunt until, you know, <laughs> forever. So exactly. And even just doe hunting, like every year, I almost look more forward to like when those doe tags get released, Hey, is there any left for the County? Just because like hunting a big mature doe to me is just as fun as hunting something with antlers. So, yeah. And what's really good about hunting those big mature does is when you're after the bucks, those are the ones that you need to beat before, because those are always the exactly. ones that come out first are looking around, looking up in the tree, stomping around. And if they've picked you out of a tree once, like it's not even worth going back to that spot. Yep, exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about trail camera strategies. Do you use trail cameras in your in your hunting preparation? I do, yep. And I think the big thing, like especially here, um, central Iowa, like I said, where we're from, where our ground is, it's a lot of river bottom and thick woods. So with my trail cameras, it's kind of that beginning season, just getting that inventory, like an idea of what's out there. Like I said, like the 200-inch deer or the big bucks, if they're not there to begin with, you're not going to plan on hunting one for the rest of the year. So just getting that inventory, I guess. Um, and like I was telling you earlier, like if I have pictures of does on that camera, like a lot of people get very discouraged when it's like, God, I've had all those. I don't have those big velvet bucks on camera. That to me is one of the best signs I think that you can have if you have you know, 20, 30 does showing up on camera every day and those cell cameras are sending you pictures of solid does. That's awesome because that's exactly where the big bucks are going to be come rut and come late October. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So do you change the positioning of your cameras uh, at certain times of the year? And when do you first put them out or do you have them out year round? Um, June and July is pretty much my when you start to get excited and I guess get that fever, get those cameras ready, get out there where you get ate alive by mosquitoes. <laughs> um, we look forward to it every year, but that's kind of that entry level. I will move some um, like during season, but to me it's that inventory. And then once October rolls around, really hunting those signs versus the cameras, where are the scrapes, where are you seeing rubs, where's the big trails? So 
because they do move around. They do move, especially that river bottom. You can get five brand new bucks come along October that you've never seen. And they've never been on camera and they just show up all of a sudden. So really hunting signs come season is kind of my biggest thing. Okay. So when you're putting out your trail cameras, do you generally put them close to where you plan on hunting? Or do you like to put them in a little bit safer area so you can be a little more cautious with your scent control when you're doing your inventory? Yeah. um, Like this year, you know, the cell cams have really took a boom, I think, in the market. So that is awesome because you don't even have to go check them. They all go to your phone. So you don't have to worry about that scent control as much. Um, I'm a big one with mock scrapes. Seeing the deer on those mock scrapes is really awesome. And, you know, a couple years ago, it was all gung-ho. Oh, where's the food? Where's the bedding? But getting on those scrapes, I've learned a lot and talked to a lot of guys and really started hunting that way. And it's very cool. So where do you tend to find scrapes? Um, You know, the big guys to me, like where I'm at, in that river bottom, it's kind of on those main draws, those sloughs headed to the bedding areas where I find most of mine. Um, really, it's kind of, again, like that private versus, versus public land. You know, I've known the land for a long time, so I kind of have that idea of, hey, they're going to be here or here. Um, to me, they're almost in the same spot every year. Mm-hmm. And it is where they're not getting pushed out. You know, it's not up close by the gate it's where those big ones are back where you wouldn't even think about it and it's tough to get in yeah deer are definitely creatures of habit and and pressure plays a huge role on that so um do you do you hunt much for public land um the last couple years you know it is more challenging so i have started to but i do have like a lot more private land and i've grown up hunting private land so it still is you know when you just you know, we're creatures of habit too. When we have that, we know the land, you can go in and dark without a light and you know exactly where you're at. It's just kind of one of those things you stick with. So, mm-hmm. so you know, a lot of people that are new to hunting, bow hunting, um, generally don't have a lot of access to private land. So exactly. can you, can you give people some advice on how to, how to start tackling finding places to hunt on public land? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, a lot of public land and like what I tell beginners all the time, you know, don't be scared. Take that extra leap. It It's work. But get back there, you know, cross that river. Get back there in those sloughs. Don't, you know, go 200 yards into the woods and think, oh, this is where they're going to be. You know, get in there. You know, don't be scared to take that leap and walk a mile every morning or every night because that's where they're going to be. So, and don't be scared too you know, go for no. If you know a landowner and you're like, God, I think someone might be hunting there. I don't know if people hunt there. Go ask. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to tell you no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, the the more effort you put into it, generally the better success you're going to have. I've I've noticed that too. I I don't hunt a ton of public land, but I've started to get into it more and more. And if you're willing to work a little bit harder than anyone else, then your, your odds of success are generally going to go up. Yep. And it is fun. It is more challenging, um, you know, to find, cause you don't know the land to find those signs that you've been taught your whole life to look for. Um, and just a new habit. It's, 
it is pretty exciting to get on some, you know, public ground and see what's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really feel like hunting public makes you a better hunter. You know, you don't have all that years and years of information. You just have, you know, you know, look online and and look at the topography maps and kind of figure out places to go and just kind of get your feet wet and learn. Yep, exactly. And you can meet some really cool people that have done it their whole life too. So. Yep, absolutely. The, the pressure on public land though, definitely adds another chess piece to the game though. Yep. Okay. So, um, how, when you're finding a spot that you want to hunt, you know, you've been looking at your mapping, how do you like to break down a property where you want to start hunting and putting cameras and figuring out where to put your stands? So again, like just kind of figuring out where's the food, where's the bedding, um, is there draws that they're traveling? You know, they're not going to a lot of times be traveling in that wide open. Where are the fence lines? What kind of food's out there? You know, is it beans? Is it corn? Are you putting your own food? That kind of thing. And again, like for public, where are they coming from? Is there a lot of pressure here? Is there not a lot of pressure there? And a lot of that is, you know, in the off season, just seeing what people are doing and where there's a trail, you might run up on a trail mid season that you didn't even know was there and your whole strategy changes. So, but again, they're creatures of habit. So the food and the bedding, they're going to sleep and they're going to eat. So just finding those things first and then, okay, how do they get there? That's the biggest. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Do you spend a lot of your time hunting from a tree or do you like to use a ground blind or spot and stock? So I'm a big, I am a big tree person. Um, I tried the ground blind strategy, you know, on wide open food plots, on fence lines, trying to get that spot in stock. I have shot a doe from the ground, but definitely the tree is where it's at in Iowa. And on that river bottom, it's thick trees. It's not wide open, you know, getting to see them coming or chasing from a distance. It kind of adds to that. I guess that like adrenaline rush where you can see those antlers coming and you're like, what the heck is this? Or when you have a doe just pop out of nowhere and boom, there he is. I guess like, I don't know. It just adds to it being up in the tree and getting to see him come from that much more from that further away than it is close up. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it just gives you that extra time to prepare and, and see more area. So makes sense but you definitely have to use uh you know use what the terrain allows i mean sometimes if you're hunting exactly. in the sloughs of north dakota you don't you know you don't really have the ability to use a tree stand and then you got to do a ground blind and things like that yep okay so i would like to hear your all-time favorite hunting story do you have one for us oh man where do you start so i guess my all-time like we were talking about earlier is like it's that first year, you know, whether it was a giant or whether it was a doe, it's always that first year. And for me, I was hunting this year that I did have on camera. Um, I have this weird passion for typical eight pointers and he was showing up on this, what we call the Island. You have to cross a river, a backwater to get there. So I was hunting over there by myself and I was just getting, kind of in that mindset where, hey, like I haven't killed a deer yet and this is the year and you kind of get super discouraged to some extent. Um, And I just kept sitting in this one spot because I knew he was there. 
and it was still October. It wasn't even November yet. And it was at nighttime and he came walking in and I was like, Oh my God, there he is. And that, you know, beginner, you don't have a lot under your belt yet. And you make that one move. And for me, um, I used to film hunts a lot. I grabbed the camera and turned it fast and he looked straight up and it's all on camera. looked straight up at me and bolted. And it was, I don't know. You always remember that feeling where you're like, God, what in the heck? Well, <laughs> didn't give up that next morning, went straight back to that same area. The wind was the same. It was a nice morning. And here he comes from the other direction and he was moving pretty tough and he started rubbing on a tree. And then another deer from behind me came in and they actually started going at it and he broke his main beam that I was super excited because his main beams actually overlapped each other. I'm like, man, this is the deer I want on the wall. And I heard a crack. And when he started coming closer, you could tell he snapped off one of his main beams. And I was like, God, now what? So that night I got in the same tree and believe it or not, he came back in and I was like, all right, this is the camera's perfect, not touching anything. And he came in, I think it was about 12 yards was all, put an arrow on him. And just that first like experience where you call your dad, you call your uncle and it's like, Hey, like I shot him. I think that's that feeling you're never, you'll never forget. And that's why it is like the most memorable Uh, Because just hearing that from them, it's dark. We're tracking this deer and it's the first deer I've gotten to track. That's my own. And you get that feeling like, okay, where's he at? Like, when am I going to get my hands on this deer? So it is the most memorable, you know, how are we going to get him across the river? And just those memories with your family that you will never, ever forget. So it will always be the most memorable hunt, but for sure. And I didn't fix his main beam. He's on the wall with a cracked main beam. So it's just one of those things you'll, it's always going to be the best story. So. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Did you ever find that other main beam? Nope. He broke off about seven inches of it. And I looked and looked, never found it. And then the taxidermist was like, well, you want me to fix it? You know, you have pictures of it. I'm like, nope, that's part of the hunt. And you know, to me in my head, if I fixed it, it wouldn't be the same. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. That's something you're always going to remember. So you touched a little bit upon that you film your hunts. Yep. So um, growing up, you know, being huge into hunting, um, I ran into a bunch of guys in Iowa and that I'm really still to this day, very good friends with and learned a lot. And, you know, they filmed hunts and on Sportsman Channel for Adrenaline Junkies. And it was just part of something I did for a while. Met a bunch of people in the industry loved it. It was a lot of fun. Um, just to get that experience under your belt, meet those guys. Um, and you do learn a ton. I think I learned the most in my life, just talking to a lot of those guys that they've done it forever. You know, filming is one thing that so many people want to do when they hunt, you know, I want to make a living out of hunting and being on TV. And now it was fun to say I did it, but you know, whether I film or not, hunting's just one of those things that I love, you don't do it just for your face on a camera. You mm-hmm. do it because you actually love it. So that's it was a lot of fun, but yeah, it's, so. it's definitely an exciting thing to do. I actually, I like to film my hunts as well. Uh, a majority of stuff is self filming unless I'm doing things like spot and stock out in the badlands, but 
What is some advice you have for people that, that want to start trying to film their hunts? You know, get, you don't have to have two people. I self filmed. That's, you know, my episodes that got on TV, it's all self filmed, but you will, like I said, you will have those moments where the deer pick you up and you're like, God, why am I doing this? There is a lot of things nowadays and technology that you can film a hunt by yourself easy. I still run two tacticams off my bow um, every hunt, whether I use that film or whether I'm just looking back, if I kill a good deer or even a doe, like, hey, did I get a good shot on that deer? You know, is it something that I want to remember forever? But they literally Bluetooth to your phone. I know I use them a lot. I send them to my dad and uncle when I'm like, hey, look, I just killed a deer and it's boom, right on your phone. You can text it out fast. It's right there. But there is a ton of technology, even from when I filmed, um, you know, for a job. And right now there's a ton of technology that has came out that makes it so much easier. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's easier to get like second angles and things like that too. Yeah, so, exactly. Have, have you ever had a deer where you wanted to shoot it, but passed because you couldn't get it on camera? No, <laughs> that is one thing. Um, you know, being in the filming world that I said, you know, you always hear these horror stories where you're like, God, you know, I had a 200 inch deer in front of me and I couldn't cause my camera guy couldn't get on him. And that's, you know, one thing that I've always stayed true to myself that hunting is hunting to me. It's not, you know, if I can't get out on film, oh, well, you know, it's just something that, that passion and what I love that I'm not going to let a camera get in the way of, I guess you could say, but so no, I haven't. <laughs> Very cool. Way to stick to your roots. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so what are some commonly asked questions you get in the hunting department? Um, you know, one of those things, I guess you just have to get around and being a woman in the hunting industry and enjoying it as much as I do is, you know, how do you get past that? Selling to a lot of guys, you know, instantly you get that, that look, I guess that, well, this is a girl. Like, how is she talking to me like, like this, or, you know, have you even killed a deer? You know, it's just one of those things you have to get past. And I, I tell other women all the time, you know, we still have that same passion. That's still something you can do. Don't let that discourage you. Um, get out there and just do what you love to do. And that's a big thing is just talking to customers like that and getting past that, I guess, is the, the biggest thing, working with a lot of guys. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I suppose you start talking and then you show how knowledgeable you really are. People will look back and be like, okay, this girl knows exactly what she's talking <laughs> yep. about. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's exactly. cool. That's cool. So are there any new products that have, that have hit the market recently that you're really excited to try or anything that you like will not leave home without? There is. So we were just testing it out yesterday. Actually, we got the Hawk tree saddles in and the second it hit the floor, it's dropped everything we were doing. I was like, Oh my God, I've been waiting forever for this. Cause I've never personally hunted out of a tree saddle and you know, all those buddies I have that do film and they're in the industry. A lot of them have done it for a long time and it, you know, on public ground when you can't get your climber in there and you can't move a ladder stand, like it looks awesome. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm excited for. Um, but, you know, just 
whitetail hunting, they're huge, huge. Scent is one of the biggest things you have to encounter when whitetail hunting, and it happens. And I've tested ozone for a long time, and it's one of those things I will never leave home without. All my gear is always in my scent crusher roller bag. It goes straight from the roller bag to the truck until I put it on. And it is one thing that, you know, I have tested and it's not just a gimmick, it works. So I will not ever leave home without it. Mm -hmm. That is one thing about a whitetail deer is sometimes you can beat their eyes. Sometimes you can beat their ears, but you can pretty much never beat their nose. You know, if if they're directly downwind of you, Yeah, but uh, but that ozone does help quite a bit. I, I'd have to say I I do I do use ozone products myself, and I know like one of the first couple of times where I really kind of tested it. I mean, I didn't try to test it, obviously, but you know, just de- just deer deer yep. move in ways that are unexpected, and yep. um, and I know I got away with a lot more than I would have without using any of those ozone ozone products. Yeah, so. even last year was kind of that whoa moment, I guess. I was hunting a deer and seeing some scrapes and I had to move a stand last minute by myself. And I got this little ladder stand, we call it the muzzle loader stand because it's it's tiny, it's like five foot off the ground. And it was honestly the only one I could move by myself. All my hang-ons were at home and I needed to get in this spot now. And I put this little stand up and here he comes and he got within seven yards is actually when I killed him and never once looked up in the tree. And I probably could have touched him with my foot that he was right there, but that ozone came in clutch. And it was kind of one of those things. I was like, Whoa, this actually works. So nice. What would be your number one tip for a first time hunter? My number one tip. And I always use this quote with, especially kids and even guys and women, everybody that's just beginning. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I know I say it all the time, but that is the biggest thing to me that so many people come in and they're, they get discouraged or, you know, there's not a deer they can post on Facebook this year or man, I didn't kill a deer again. And what's going on? And they start to kind of give up. It's that thing is just enjoy it. Just get out there enjoy family time, enjoy what you're doing, you know, try new things. It's fun. You know, it's just one of those things. It's not all about the kill. Just enjoy what you're doing and slow down and really take that in. Cause that's what you're going to remember in the long run. Perfect. So, um, do you have all your hunting plans for this year? Yes, not all It always, it always every year I'll have this big plan. And then it comes down to, all right, what's the weather doing? Can I get off work? I know my managers will love to hear this, that, you know, two hours before the shift, like, hey, can I switch with so-and-so? Because the wind's a north wind tonight. I got to I gotta get out there. Um, I do get to, hopefully, depending on how Iowa goes, because that is still my favorite place to be. If I don't have an Iowa deer down, I don't really go anywhere until that happens. But um, I get to go. I have a Wisconsin tag this year. So I'll get to be up there with a few buddies. That'll be fun. Um, And hopefully kill a Wisconsin deer. And then I do get to go to Oklahoma for a deer, a whitetail this year. And I've never hunted that far south. So to see the caliber of whitetail down there versus up here will be kind of cool. And then I know this is a deer podcast, but I'm a big upland hunter. 
my dogs. I have a huge passion for pointing dogs. So we are coming that direction. I know Brandon Stone, everyone's like, nope, we're going to build a wall. You guys stay in Iowa. But <laughs> I, am, I do have a hunt in North Dakota and South Dakota for birds. So that will be fun. Okay. So, so which one takes priority for you? Are you, would you do upland or would you do deer or is it going to depend on the weather or what? Yeah, it's a toss up and I argue with it with my family every year. You know, it's, it's Halloween and this year upland season here starts on October 31st, which is always kind of that day that you're like, yeah, like bow hunting, the rut starting, it's Halloween or it's all right. My dog's freaking out. He's got to go kill a bird. Um, you know, when you see that passion in your animals as well, like I said, I've, you know, until I had this dog, it wasn't like, man, let's go bird hunting, but just seeing him and enjoying that with him as well, it does take a little bit of priority just to get them on birds, training the young ones. Um, so we kind of make it work. We get out of the, out of the tree stand, depending on the wind and head straight to the CRP field. So. Awesome. And I suppose like you, you can do both of them in a day, you know, generally your, your deer hunting is best in the mornings and evenings, and then you can just go hunt upland in the afternoons. Yep. Yep. And you know, it is a good year. So they had a really good hatch this year. So hopefully it, you know, we don't have to stop hunting until three or four in the afternoon for upland. So get out of the tree, go kill a few birds and go right back to the tree is normally the game plan. So. Perfect. Is there uh, is there any specific buck that you have your eye on this year or any that you know made it through last year that you're excited to meet up with? Oh, uh, there's a few. There's, you know, that typical eight. Like I said, I just have that huge passion. I'll pass up a non-typical giant deer just to take a typical eight that's old enough. Um, really, the one I killed last year was kind of that one that was, has been on the list for a long time. He was super old, he was, you know, wide typical eight. And this year is kind of just go with the game plan, go with the flow. So there is a 10 and a 12 out there that we've been after for a little bit. So very nice. So, can go. Yeah. Are you focused more on harvesting a mature deer or are you looking for something with the biggest headgear? Definitely a mature deer. Like I said, I'll, you know, I would be 100% happy just getting out there, being healthy, hunting with family and fill three doe tags a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, if it comes down to it, I'll let that one walk just to get, you know, just to be out there and hunt. So, yeah, I would say there is something about just targeting mature deer, you know, knowing that they've been around for four or five plus years and really figured out how to be masters of their habitat yep exactly very cool so all right thank you so much for your time courtney that was a lot of really really great information and you have me absolutely jacked to get into a tree stand and start hunting again oh yeah all right good luck out there when are you when do you get to go hunt so i mean i technically could go hunt now but um you know i i really want to wait for the rut rut and pre-rut because like having shot one now in the early season it's like i'm i'm ready to ready to start when they're like scraping and sparring and chasing and stuff like that it's just that's to me that's the most time fun time to be in the woods you know i i do enjoy early like 
trying to get them in velvet and trying to like sp- spot them and watch their habits, figure out where they're bedding, where they're feeding and, and, right. and shoot one that way. But just the, the magic of, of the rut. That's what, yep. that's what I want to wait that's for right now. Like yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Best of luck this season. You too. Thank you. Thank you. You just heard from Shields hunting expert, Courtney Oliver from the Cedar Falls store. She provided some great insight on whitetail hunting strategies and backed it up by already filling her Iowa tag on a great buck. If you have any questions on whitetail hunting tips, gear recommendations, or strategy, please do not hesitate to reach out to us in the comments below on social media at Shields Outdoors, Facebook, and Instagram, or by stopping into one of the stores and talking with one of our hunting experts. We literally live and breathe hunting. So we welcome any questions you may have with open arms, with maybe the exception of asking for GPS coordinates. With that, I want to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.